And so we're going to talk about gratefulness today. And um, now the opposite of gratitude, the opposite of gratefulness, is, uh, this is mind-blowing, but it's uh, ungratefulness, <laughs> you know, ungratitude. Uh, but here's, here's the word, the opposite of gratitude. Maybe you haven't thought about it like this. It's the word entitled. Entitlement. We live in a world where people feel entitled. Where we feel entitled. And we're going to talk about that today. And we're going to look at what the Bible says. Uh, we see a very interesting story here in Luke chapter 17 about some people who felt entitled, felt a little ungrateful. And we'll see this here in verse number 11. The Bible says that Jesus was continuing on toward Jerusalem. He reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and as he entered a village there, 10 lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I want to stop here for just a minute to help you understand, maybe you do, maybe you don't, but lepers have one of the most painful diseases that you could ever imagine. Perhaps you've seen pictures, maybe you haven't, but you know, they, they start to develop sores over their bodies. And they start to ooze. And they start to decay. It was very, it, it starts at the, at the limbs, at the toes and the fingers, nose and ears, and, 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 the, and, and the skin. You know, start to die, and it began to fall off, and 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 they would start to lose fingertips, fingers. Eventually, they lose their entire arms, entire feet, legs. It's an awful, awful disease. It was common in the middle of the night that if you were a leper. You know, you would wake up in the middle of the night, and this sounds gross, but this would happen all the time where, where giant rats would come chewing off their, their fingers and their, and their toes. And they wouldn't even feel it, but they would hear the noise, and they would see the rats. It was a, a decaying disease, awful. In fact, when you um, have leprosy, there was no cure for it. And in fact, you had to social distance yourself forever. You know, you had to separate yourself from people that you know, people that you love. You had to quarantine yourself to a, what the Bible calls a leper colony. And that was where you live. You live with the other lepers. And if you were out and about and you see people that weren't, Lepers, we have to make sure that you announce. You have to announce, I'm unclean. I'm unclean. Back off. Back away. You don't want what I've got. And so, yeah, it's a painful disease, but as you can tell to you, it's a hard emotional disease because you're separated from people that you love. There was no more hugs. There was no more close contacts and no, no more intimacy. And, 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 and this is uh, just a devastating, devastating disease. And if by chance, if by chance you were healed, 
then the, the, the Levitical laws say that you would go show yourself to a priest. And if the priest declares you healed, then he would say you're clean, you can go back into society. That, that really ever happens. And so here you got the Bible says we have these 10 guys and, and they're just hanging out. And all of a sudden, Jesus passed by. Now, something always happens, by the way, when Jesus passes by. And Jesus is passing by, and you can just sense the excitement of these 10 lepers. Because here they hear about this man, Jesus, who is a miracle-working man. This man right here can change their life, that they could go back into regular society and be reunited with their families and friends. And so they began to cry out and said, Jesus, Jesus, come save us. Please heal us. And we pick up the verse here in verse number 14 that Jesus, in verse 14, he looked at them. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. The Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. It's interesting how Jesus healed different people. Sometimes he put mud in their eyes. You know, he spits in their ears. You know, Jesus does all kinds of crazy stuff. Sometimes he just speaks the words. Sometimes he said, hey, you know, he touched them. But here, he just said, just go. Go find the priest. And they were still leprous when they, first, when they took the first step. But as they were walking, to the priest, the Bible said that they were healed. They took steps of faith. They didn't wait and say, man, Jesus, but we're still, we're still unclean. They just went. They obeyed Jesus. Their, their disease was gone. Their greatest dreams, their most outlandish prayers had been answered. But in verse 15, something very surprising happened. In verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Uh, Jesus asked, hey, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Uh, you, you can almost sense the, the disappointment in Jesus' voice. It's like, Jesus was like, man, you guys were begging. You guys were crying out. You guys were in deep, deep distress. And, and you basically asking me to do a miracle, and I came by, and I did it. And where are y'all? Where is everybody? And only one stopped to thank God for his blessings. My question to you today is this. Will you be the one? Will you rise above what culture is teaching us, our society is teaching us, will you rise above it and not just do what everyone else does, but stand out and live 
like the one. Will you be the one that pauses every day to give glory and honor to the one that gave you life? Will you be the one to stop in all of your busyness to stop and lift up the, the true worship of the creator and the sustainer of the universe? Will, will you be the one to give praise and honor and worship and glory to the one who when you were a sinner sent his son Jesus to die for you? Will you be the one? And not just with God, but with people, with other people. Think about the people that impact your life. Will you be the one that stops long enough to write a thank you note or to express gratitude to, to someone who's impacted your life? Will you be the one today to say to those who are ministering to your children and your students week in and week out, will you go to them and say, hey, thank you for faithfully ministering to my kids and to my family? Or will you be the one to stop and say thank you to a coach, to, to a teacher, to a mentor? Thank you to someone who leads your life group, someone, maybe your mom, maybe your dad, Stop and show honor and gratitude to someone that impacts your life. Will you, will you be the one or will you be like the nun who live ungrateful for what has happened in their lives? And if we're not careful, we can live with an ungrateful mindset, an ungrateful mindset. Let me show you another story. We'll go back to two chapters, to chapter 15 in Luke. You know this story. It's the story of the prodigal son. And Jesus told us this story about a guy that had two sons. And we see in both of these sons an ungrateful mindset. If you're taking note, this is what the younger son says. This is the ungrateful mindset of the younger son. He said this. I want it now. I want it now. And if you live with an ungrateful mindset, that's the phrase that happens in our mindset. I want it now. When do you want it? Now. You want it now. Look at, look at the attitude of the younger son. Verse number 11, chapter 15, man had two sons. Bible said that the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now. I want it now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now traditionally, back then, and it's still the same today, you receive your inheritance after someone dies but not the, younger, not the younger son. He said, I want it now, Dad. I want to live my life now. I don't want to live by your rules. I want to do it my way. I want to do it in the way I want to do it. I want what you have. I want it now. 
I want it now. And so, and the father, for whatever reasons, right, he gives it to the son. And the Bible says that this younger, that the younger son went out, squandered everything he had. He wasted his money. He blew it all. He hired women. He, he, he threw big giant keg parties. And before you know it, he had nothing. In fact, he's living in the pig pen. He is done for. He is, he lost it all. Now he had that mindset of, I want it all. An ungrateful mindset. What took the father years or decades to accumulate, the ungrateful son lost it all in a matter of weeks or months. Lost it all. Unfortunately, this is how many of us live today. I want it now. I want it now. Think about it. Most of us, you know, it's just our culture. Our culture teaches us we can have it now. Most of us have a TV in your home and you have a way to rent anything you want or to buy anything you want on Demands, <laughs> right? We live in an on-demand world. The world teaches us, hey, why wait when you can have it now? We have credit cards. People that have credit cards, the average American is in debt, credit card debt, between six to $8,000 a person. Credit card debt. Because the, the world teaches us, hey, why wait? Well, you can have it now. You don't have money now. That's okay. Just go ahead and, and get it now and pay later. Now, it's interesting. My grandparents, you know, they, they had this wild idea. And they try to teach us this wild idea. This idea of don't spend, don't buy until you have the actual money in hand. In other words, you wait. You wait. You save. Back, this is, you know, some of our young people, you, you won't know what I'm talking about, but some of us my age, maybe a little bit older, you know what I'm talking about. But there was a thing in the store. If you wanted to buy something, you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, all right. You know, you know, if there was something you wanted to buy, they would put it aside and they would put it in a place called layaway. Remember layaway? Uh, you, you, you know, John, do you remember Layaway? Okay, very little, right? Uh, okay. And, uh, <laughs> so, you know, you, you said, man, I want that TV. And so you have the money? No. And so, well, all right. We'll, we'll, we'll put it aside. We'll lay it away. And then when you pay it off, then you can have it. And so every month, you come in and I say, okay, here's $50. It's okay, that's good. You still have $200 more to go. Okay, all right. And then when you paid it off, you can have it. Now, layaway is non-existent. You can't find that no more. Why? Because, hey, they try to sell the credit card. So what? Hey, you can have it now, and you can have 29% interest later. To pay for it a lot more later. But we don't think, hey, I want it now. I need it. I must have it. I must have, hey, I must have that newest phone. 
I must have it. By the way, that phone didn't exist uh, 10 years ago. Nobody needed it. Everybody had a flip phone. You know, but all of a sudden, oh, I can't live without my smartphone. I must have it. I must have it. And so the ungrateful mindset. It says I want it, and I want it now. But here, here's the other mindset. The ungrateful mindset, here's the other, here, here, there's another way they say it. And we see this in the older brother. But you might say, I deserve it more. I deserve more. Again, the older brother, Luke chapter 15. By the way, you know the, older, the younger brother, right? He, he's in the pig pen. He lost it all. He blew the inheritance away. He finds himself living in the pig pen, eating the food that the pigs were eating. I mean, you talk about hitting rock bottom. That's rock bottom. He's living there, and he finally wise up one day and says, man, I, you know, my dad got servants that are taken care of better than this. I'm gonna go home and beg. Maybe my dad will give me a job as one of his hired servants. And so the Bible said that he got up out of the pig pen and started headed towards, you know, started headed toward home. His father, by the way, had been waiting for his son to come home. Father is a picture of our heavenly father and he waited. And finally, he sees the son coming home and he said, thank God my son is back. He throws him this big honking party, right? He gives him a new robe. He gives him shoes on his feet. He gives him a ring. He throws a big honking party. He kills a fatted calf. And he says, hey, steak for everybody. And everyone comes in, you know, this is a big party. Meanwhile, the, the older brother, he's out in the field. He's not knowing what's happening. He's coming back into the house. And he sees that there's a big party, a celebration. He's asked one of his um, uh, co-laborers and say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? And they're like, oh, you have not heard, but your younger brother came home and your dad killed a badger calf and they're having a party. They're excited. He's back. He came back. And the older brother begins to have a pity party. He's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold up here. I mean, I have slaved and worked hard for my dad all these years. I've kept all the rules. I deserve that party. That's my party. And he's mad. He's not going in the party. And so finally the father comes out and says, hey, what's wrong? Why don't you come inside? Your son, your younger, your younger brother, my, my, my young son came back. We should be happy. And we see the story here in verse number 29. And the older son said to his dad, he said, dad, all these years, I've slaved for you and never once Refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. In other words, someone owes me. Someone, Dad, owes me. I deserve better than this. I deserve more, Dad. And here's what we see so often. We see this so often when people say, man, I deserve that better paying job. I deserve that pay raise. I deserve that promotion. I deserve that, that house. I deserve that car. I deserve a vacation. I deserve, I deserve it. 
I deserve it more. Ungrateful mindset. I want it now, and I deserve it. Now, here's what I want to do. I want you to take a minute, and I want to, for us to sit back. I want you to see what God would say about your life. I want you to ask God, God, expose the light. Search my heart and show me if there's any ungratitude in my life. Show me if there's anything that I am ungrateful for. Maybe I don't even know it. But I find myself, you know, complaining and whining. I'm ungrateful and I don't even know it sometimes. And maybe this is what you ask God and say, God, show me. I've got a couple of things here. You see on your handout notes, you see it here on the screen. You know, maybe you need to ask God to expose any material or financial ungratefulness in your life. I want you to think about that for a minute. Maybe you said, man, I wish I, wish I had more money. No, I, I wish I had a better job. Or maybe you said, I wish I could provide more for my kids. I wish we had a better car. I wish, you fill in the blank, financial material. And if that's you, check it out. It's, man, it's in an area in my life where I sometimes show a lack of gratitude. Maybe you need to ask God, and the second one, to expose any relational ungratefulness. It, it, it could be that you're sick and tired of your parents being in your business. You know, or it could be that, you know, your husband, you know, you wish your husband were, uh, had a better job uh, or that he made more money, that he, would, that he would be a spiritual leader, that he would fit things around the house, whatever. Or, or maybe you're saying your wife, you wish she was more fun. You know, maybe you wish she was more, uh, more romantically involved. Or, or maybe you wish she was always with her friends and wish she spent more time with you. Uh, maybe you wish she had a better paying job, whatever it is. Or, or maybe you're not happy because you don't have a girlfriend. Everyone else has a girlfriend. Or you don't have a boyfriend and everyone else has a boyfriend. And you're, you're just like, man, I'm still single. Now, I, I'm still waiting. And, I, I, and you, you get some ungratefulness. And if you're relationally ungrateful, go ahead and check that off and say, yeah, that's me. That's an area of my life. Maybe you need to ask God to expose some circumstantial ungratefulness. You know, maybe you don't like your job. Maybe you say, man, I don't like my house. I don't like my car. I don't like my hair or my lack of hair. I don't know, you know. Check that off. Call it what it is and put it down. And here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I want to talk about how you can cultivate an attitude of gratitude and how we can be grateful. And here's how we do it. Here's how you're going to do it. If you're taking notes, you've got to decide to turn blessings into praise. You have to decide. You have to decide. You have to make a decision. I'm going to turn every blessing that I have into praise. There's a verse from that song. Some of you know that song. It's an old classic song. We used to sing it at that late point what, in the, in the years back. But the verse from that song that goes like this. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back into praise. I'll turn back into praise. And I would sing it for you, but then you want to be praising God if I did. 
Every blessing you pour out, God, I'm going to turn it back into praise. And why is that important? Again, if you're taking notes, every blessing I don't turn back to praise turns into pride. It turns into pride. It turns into, hey, I deserved it. I want it now. It, it turns into entitlement, pride, where we start crying out to God, say, God, every blessing, every good thing, God, that you've given me come from the Father above. And you bless me and I give you praise for it. Thank you. Thank you for the blessing you've given in my life. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter four. By the way, in the book of Philippians, Paul wrote this letter while he's in prison. He's not on a beach. <laughs> he, he's not on a vacation. He's in prison. And you think about it, prison back then, it's worse than it is now. Unsanitary, disease infected, I mean, you know, lack of food, dirty. This is where Paul is. And notice his attitude. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, he said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He said, I've learned to be content whatever, whatever the circumstances. In other words, if I'm healthy, if I'm not healthy. If I've got a lot of money, if I don't have a lot of money. If I like my job, if I don't like my job. Whatever the circumstances, I've learned to be content. Paul said in verse 12, he said, I know what it's like to be in need, to be hungry, to be, you know, without, without money. He said, I ought to know what it is to have plenty. I've seen both worlds. He said, I, I have learned the secret of being content, but not in how much I have or don't have. He said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He said, I, I've learned the secret. And the secret of a content life is not found in the stuff I've got. Here's the secret. And the secret is from verse number 13, that I can do it all. I can do all this through him, through Jesus, who gives me the strength. I can be content because of Jesus, and Jesus, and only Jesus can give me the strength to be grateful. You see, hey, by nature, listen, by nature, none of us are grateful people. By nature, we're all selfish. We were born selfish, we were born sinners. Think about it. A baby, first couple words, they, know, they say, Mom, they say, Dad, what's that third word? Mine. It just comes natural. Mine. We're, we're, we're self-centered people. We're sinners. We're, we're, by nature, I am not content. I can only be a content person. I can only be a grateful person, a person full of gratitude through the power of Jesus in my life. Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse number 9, it said, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. Better, 
better what God has put before 